Joining us now in the KYMN studios is uh, our representative for District 20B, Todd Lippert. Good morning, Representative Good morning. Lippert. Thank you so much for coming in today. Always glad to be here. All right. Uh, District 20B, soon going the way of a dinosaur. Actually, it's not. There will be somewhere somehow a District <laughs> 20B, but uh, it's not going to be us. Let's talk about that. Redistricting maps were released this week, and that's really the big news uh, around the state. Um, let's get your thoughts on it. Uh, you knew it was going to look. Did, did this look kind of like what you were expecting, or is it totally different? Uh, uh, so I think we didn't know exactly what to expect. Um, you know, the kind of the, the headlines, the number for the Northfield area, the district that Northfield in has changed. It's not 20B anymore. It's now 58A. Um, the overall uh, kind of balance of Democrats and Republicans in the district looks to be about the same as it was in 20B. Uh, but some of the communities in the district have shifted. So um, Northfield is in the district. Um, as it was before, but actually the, the Dakota County portion of Northfield is also in 58A. Uh, so it's great to have the whole community together. And then instead of Montgomery, uh, being the western edge of the district, the district kind of moves in stair steps up to New Prague. So, uh, you have New Prague on the eastern side, Lonsdale, Dundas, Northfield, and, uh, the townships in between. And if I'm not mistaken, that's not all of New Prague. Is it just like half of it, or is it the whole, whole town? Um, so I haven't looked at it terribly closely. It says mm-hmm. on the, on what I saw was, uh, New Prague City. Okay. Um, and so, uh, and then there, there are townships around it in Scott County. Um, you know, I'm, not exactly sure if it's if it's a whole thing, but we mm-hmm. haven't had a, any portion of New Prague before, and now okay. we have a significant part. All right. Uh, you had announced a month or two ago that you would not be running for re-election. Looking at the map, does that change anything? Uh, no, I'm, I'm content with my decision. Uh, it's the right time for me to step aside, and, and uh, there's a strong candidate running for 58A, and uh, you know we have an open seat for the Senate seat. Uh, uh, Senator Draheim is no longer... Um, living in this new district uh, because the second side of uh, District 58 goes from Northfield, Northfield's really in the center of it, up to Rosemount through Farmington. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, you know, who, who all ends up running for Senate. Um, but I've been honored to serve as state rep and will be working hard the rest of the session and then it'll be my time to step aside. All right. Let's talk about the, uh, the buzz, the buzz on the Hill this week. Uh, were there, you know, that really affected each individual representative and senator differently. Uh, some will be joining a district where that already has an incumbent within that district. So two people have to decide who's going to run and who's not. Was that quite a bit of a, a conversation dominator this week or was that uh, easily? Uh, it dismissed? was definitely the big conversation on the side of everything is, is, uh, you know, there were, uh, it's pretty emotional when, when new maps are drawn and, um, you know, legislators who give, give their time to this work uh, suddenly find they're not, they're not in the district or they're drawn in with a good friend of theirs and thinking about, uh, you know, running against a good friend. So I have, uh, I have some of my colleagues in the, in the metro areas that are they're sorting out what to do next, whether uh, some are moving to the district uh, just a little ways away to be able to run in a different district. Some are going to be running against someone they know. Um, it's... 
uh, and that's happening in the Democrats, GOP, uh, across the state. So maps really shake things up, and uh, we definitely had a good shake of the snow globe uh, at the Capitol this week. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about uh, the committee work. It looks like uh, you, you've, you've been in session now for a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, and really getting to the, uh, the, the part of the session where there's a lot of work in the committees. Uh, remind us of what committees that you're on, and tell us some of the major things that uh, you'll be working on through there. Sure. I'm on the Agriculture Committee, the Environment and Natural Resources Committee, um, Mental Health Policy Committee, and then also the Climate and Energy Committee. And uh, to this point, uh, committees have been, de- been dealing with some unfinished business. And, uh, you know, I think really n- this next week uh, there will be more and more bills heard. I'll have four of my bills that will be heard in various committees uh, this next week. Uh, in the Agriculture Committee, we had a big um, uh a big conversation, and we're able to put forward, uh, pass a drought relief package out of the Agriculture Committee. This is some unfinished business. Uh, we are working on it this summer and fall, uh, but we passed a $10 million package that will uh, provide some drought relief, especially to livestock producers, uh, cattle producers, uh, anyone of pasture was hit really hard with the drought this summer, and then also specialty producers. So uh, any producer that's, that's growing for a farmer's market or direct marketing meat to consumers or growing vegetables like a community supporter agriculture, they've been hit really hard with the drought and have very little insurance available to them. So uh, we'll be able to get we passed this $10 million out of committee. Uh, hopefully, it'll go to the floor soon. Be paired up with some drought relief going through the DNR as well. Uh, but it'd be good to get that out to farmers. All right. That's going on in the Ag Committee. The uh, you, you mentioned you have some bills that will be heard this week. Uh, yeah, tell us about those. Sure. So uh, last week on the radio, I mentioned a grid modernization project for Northfield. It's uh, basically a pilot project for us uh, moving towards a smart grid here in Northfield. Uh, that'll get a hearing in the Climate Energy Committee on Tuesday. I have a bill for a bonding bill for water storage projects as for $5 million. Uh, it's that's a big thing that we need to do to, to reduce flooding on the Cannon River and other parts of the state is you have to uh, hold water back on the land. And SWCDs and farmers and others have some plans in various places for uh, basins that can be built to hold water, uh, wetlands that can be restored. This, these dollars will help with that. Um, also, a bill that I've been working on uh, since last session and... Um, uh, Chair Poppy in Austin was actually working on it before that for a, a comprehensive water testing program uh, for private wells to make sure that people who rely on private wells know uh, if their water is contaminated or clean. Um, we have a, a challenge with that in our state due to agricultural runoff. But then also a part of this is providing some financial support to help people uh, remediate the wells. There's oftentimes some simple fixes that can clean up those wells, and we want to make sure that people, regardless of income, have access to make sure their water's clean. Um, and then the final one that I have up this week, uh, unless I find out some more um, uh, today, is a policy change that would allow electric vehicle charging infrastructure at rest areas um, in Minnesota. Uh, we know that uh, the electric vehicle uh, transition is underway, and we need to make sure that people have access to charging and need a change in state law to make sure that that can be available at rest stations. You know, those uh, two bills involving uh, energy, I guess, uh, I find very intriguing. Let's go back to the uh, grid modernization. Have you talked about that with uh, some of your colleagues up there? Does does it seem like it might have some momentum as it gets into the committee? Uh, yeah, so I have some co-signers um, with my colleagues and uh, the chair of the committee is is very supportive. We've been talking that this really comes out of the uh, 
some of the challenges we've had in Northfield with putting more solar on the grid. Uh, there are Northfield residents that have a solar uh, put a solar array on their house and they find out from Excel that they have to pay an extra $15,000 to connect it, quote unquote, to the grid. Um, and that's unfair. And, you know, that's one issue. But the, another issue is that um, the grid itself needs to be upgraded to bring more distributed energy on. Uh, and so this will deal with that in a comprehensive way. And um, my colleagues understand that we have to we have to move towards a smarter grid and are looking for models, places where that can be showcased, um, and Northfield can be one of them. Uh, once again, Representative Todd Lippert, District 20B, is with us. We're talking about things that are going on in the legislative session. Uh, the other one, uh, the car charging uh, um, stations, I guess it would be at the uh, putting in at rest stops, you know, the one thing that I've always kind of wondered is what, what's the the gas station of the future going to look like? Will it even be, uh, you know, is that going to be run by privates or, or the governments or any idea where that's going or where uh, at least you'd like to see that steered? Yeah, I think we're moving into some different models for um with electric vehicles. So, um, you know, the, the primary place where electric vehicles will be charged will be in the home, in the garage. Um, but then we need to make sure that people have access to charging um, out on the road so they can get, if they, you know, have a trip that's more than 300 miles or uh, go out with half a charge, they can get from one place to another. Uh, you know, we had another bill related to electric vehicle charging heard in the Climate and Energy Committee this week, and uh, that question was asked, and, and um, you know, we really need the government to step up to provide the beginnings of this charging infrastructure. Um, and then as that, as we get a critical mass of it, then then uh, private industry is going to come in with some different models in some different ways to kind of uh, create the new the new gas station model for electric vehicles in a way that fits. Um, but right now, uh, this is so new that that. Uh, together as people through the government, we need to step in and make sure that we put those first building blocks in place. All right. Representative Lippert is with us. Let's talk about uh, this coming weekend and uh, really next week uh, in the legislature. Anything large going to happen? What should we watch out for? So, um, you know, one one significant piece is the drought relief that I mentioned. Uh, you know, I think in the House, we have the, a bill for uh, frontline workers that's moving forward as well. So it's a billion-dollar package uh, providing uh, checks of $1,500 to frontline workers who are, uh, you know, really putting themselves out there through the pandemic and sacrificing for us. So that includes healthcare workers, police officers, firefighters, EMS, child care workers, uh, those who work at, at nursing homes and more. Uh, that bill has been uh, moving its way steadily through the legislature. There's a chance that moves to the floor, too. Um, so, you know, those will be some big chunks that are, are moving through the House, and um, when that gets to the floor, those will be significant conversations. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to mention while we have here? I'm just always glad to be here and, and always appreciate hearing from um, folks in the district. So feel free to email me, rep.todd.lippert at house.mn, or you can uh, follow my Facebook page or Twitter, uh, but always glad to hear from folks. All right. Thank you so much for coming in. We certainly appreciate it. My pleasure. Talk I look to forward to talking to you next week. Sounds good. Todd Lippert, State Representative for District 20B. We've got Rich coming up next with a look at local news. Here's MNN.
Minnesota News Network. I'm Brent Palm. The family of 22-year-old Amir Locke says they will continue to call for police reform legislation, including a ban on no-knock warrants. He was killed by officers in Minneapolis and laid to rest yesterday. Locke's uncle, Andrew Tyler. We're not anti-police, but we are pro-Amir. We are pro the Amir Locke bill, the Amir Locke law. Pass this law. Stop allowing people to come into these dwellings. You do not have the right to kill our people. These are our people. Well, stark differences among law enforcement as a bill banning no-knock warrants cleared a Minnesota House committee. Mendota Heights Police Chief Kelly McCarthy told lawmakers. Banning no-knock warrants will show officers that their leadership will not intentionally create the chaotic conditions that can lead to tragedy, the type of conditions that led to the death of Amir Locke. But St. Cloud Police Chief Blair Anderson testified law enforcement is dealing with suspects who've demonstrated over and over. That they will use any means necessary to avoid capture by us. Any ban on no-knock warrants will face stiff opposition in the GOP-controlled Minnesota Senate. Police in Golden Valley say two people are under arrest for shooting at officers during an incident on Tuesday night. Investigators say police located a car believed to be involved in residential burglaries and one suspect fled on foot while firing multiple shots at an officer. The gunfire missed the officer but struck a squad car doing some damage. And state health officials are increasing the distribution of free COVID-19 rapid tests. Minnesota Department of Health providing 347,000 at-home test kits to local public health agencies, schools, and tribal health programs. Each antigen kit contains two tests. Around 150,000 tests were distributed to community groups in January. State Health Commissioner Jan Malcolm says rapid testing is a key tool Minnesotans can use to lower the risk of spreading COVID-19. Dean. <laughs> Rich Larson is joining us from the KYMN News Center with a look at local news headlines. Rich? Good morning, Jeff. The Northfield Police Department is asking for the public's help in locating a missing person. Mercedes Roca is 22 years old, 5'4", 160 pounds, with blonde hair and brown eyes. Roca is reported to be homeless, and her last known location was in Rochester. Uh, Roca has been uh, known to frequent the cities of Wasika, Albert Lee, Owatonna, and Faribault, as well as northern Minnesota. Anyone with information regarding the whereabouts of Mercedes Roca is asked to call the Northfield Police at 507-645-4477 or dial 911. And speaking of the Northfield Police, Northfield Chief of Police Mark Elliott is reminding people that con artists and the scams they run are busy and are as busy and crafty as ever, and uh, said the public needs to be aware of their schemes and vigilant against them. Elliot said the most recent scam has 